0: Welcome to On The Way, this is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is January 16, and the chapter for today is chapter 27 of the book of Genesis. Well, a lot has happened since our last greeting in Genesis 24. When we looked at a bride for Isaac, and the ancient tradition of swearing an oath by putting a man's hand upon the groin of the one to whom they are swearing the oath, and I hope that that was helpful to you, interesting to you, not embarrassing to you. God knows I was not trying to be appropriate, but sometimes we just have to say things just like the Bible does, and that's exactly what it's talking about for. Forgive me if I did not present that well, but I am doing the best I can in delicate subjects like that. There are more down the road for our modern day sensitivities uh, don't always work. But after all, let's just get to the story and then we'll have the truth and we'll let the Lord deal with each one of us concerning truth. But today we're going to look at chapter 27, and it's the story of Isaac and Jacob and Esau. As you know, Rebecca and Isaac had two boys. Jacob, whose name we will see later will be changed to Israel, the name that we know the people of God today that are the sons of Abraham of promise. But the story takes a turn here because, you see, These two boys that were in the womb of Rebekah, according to the scriptures, were two nations, two powerful nations, the sons of Esau and the sons of Jacob. And Rebekah had a difficult pregnancy. You can see that in the text and the struggling of the two boys on the inside of her womb And God heard her prayer, saw her distress, and gave her the reality of what was happening, that there would be a struggle between these two, and that the older would serve the younger. Sure enough, when the birth took place, the first one came out, and he was red and hairy. Later in life, he was known for that, and that's how Isaac recognized him in his near blindness. But the word Word, edom is the same word as Adam, just with different vowel pointings and pronunciation. But the radicals are the same, and it means red. And he was called red not only because of his skin tone, his red skin tone, very much like Native Americans red when we talk about red skin. And then the same thing is true of what he sold his birthright for, which was lentils. Lentils, red lentils, and it makes a very deep, dark, almost a brownish tone when you cook these red lentils. That's the very way that Esau's skin looked. And so he was called red, Edom, for two reasons. Number one, because of his skin tone. Number two, because of what he did. By the way, that's usually how we are known, by who we are, that is, something about us, and then how we act. And if the two go together, that can mean good or mean bad. But Yaakov, Jacob, is, on the other hand, one who was fair-skinned in comparison to his brother. But also, the name Yaakov is the word for one who grabs the heel, or one who trips up another. Why? Because when Esau was coming out of the womb and was being born, Yaakov, the one that grabbed the heel, Yaakov was grabbing hold of his heel. And so his mother named him, his father named him on the day when they were circumcised, they named them Edom and Yaakov, that is the red man or the man of the earth, you could say, because that's Adam's name, then Yaakov, the one who trips up. So this is the background here, and Isaac had a, a real affinity for this man of the earth, this red man, this man's man, as many would say. He showed partiality to his oldest son and Yaakov was the dear heart of his mother. So this is kind of the background that caused much of the division on down the road. Chapter 27 is the story of the deception, really, of Isaac, the father of Jacob, and how his mother and he were really deceptive in getting the blessing that would go to the oldest. And the mother, I think here, was trying to help God in what he does, and this is a tendency of parents, and when we feel strongly about a child's destiny. Many times we step in and do things we shouldn't. That's what Abraham did, what Isaac did. And on down the line, we've been doing it ever since. We just have to watch that because many times we will delay the great blessing of God upon someone's life by not allowing God to bring about what he wants to do in his way. But what I want to center in on today, because I know I took quite a bit of time in the podcast on chapter 24 to try to explain to you, a. Different difficult ancient ritual and custom that even affects us today. But I want to center in not on Jacob and Isaac because we'll talk more about them in the future. But Esau doesn't get as much play in the Bible and time in the Bible. So I want to talk about Esau because sometimes the Western audience, as they read this without knowing the background and not knowing the New Testament and the entire word of God, they will really have some sympathy for Esau and begin to dislike. Jacob, and there were a lot of things about Jacob that were to dislike. You see, even the people that God uses in a great way, it doesn't mean that they're likable people all the time. It just means that God in His great mercy and grace has chosen to use them and bless them, and that's His business, not ours. But that doesn't mean that everybody that is greatly used by God is some kind of jovial, likable, gregarious person that everyone loves. Some of the greatest men of God I know personally over the last six 60 years have been men who are weird. That's the only way you say it. They have a quirky personality. They're hard to talk to. They're awkward socially, brilliant, anointed by God, but just awkwardly social. Recluse, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of the greatest men of God who lived in the last 2,000 years, battled with fits of depression. He was overweight. He smoked cigars, he, on and on and on. And, uh, but yet we quote the great Spurgeon, but he had an up and down personality. Many in our modern day are in the same boat. Many of the great great men of God have wrestled with depression over the years, and I think there's some reasons for that, but all to say Jacob had his own hang-ups, but God used him in a great way. Isaac had his hang-ups, but God used him in a great way. Abraham had his, but God used him in a great way. So let's not hold people to standards that God doesn't even hold them to, and that's what many times what we do in putting people on a pedestal, and so we need to be careful about that. Esau, on the other hand, was wicked from the start. Now all of us are. We all have sin nature, but Esau, God gives us insight into his personality and into his motives. Now, only God really knows our motives. What I'm saying is the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's what the scripture says. And if that is so, we can say, well, I know my own heart. Well, sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Sometimes we deceive ourselves. We're so wicked. You say, well, the spirit of God lives in me. Yes, as resident but he's not always, as Adrian Rogers said, president. He's not always ruling in our lives. And so I want you to understand that Esau, even though he had some flashes of goodness and wonder, and the Bible gives us the true motive, and only God can do that. Only God knows the heart. And by the way, that's what we're going to be judged at, the judgment seat of Christ, is not how much we did, but why we did what we did, the motive behind what what we did. God sees what we do, and then many times in this life we're rewarded for that. But in the next life we will be, but God's more interested in why we do something and the motivation behind why we do it than what is outwardly seen by others and praised by others or condemned by others. God sees it all, good or bad. And so he gives us insight into Esau's heart in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. It's interesting that in the context of Discipline of chapter 12 after all these great heroes of the faith are mentioned in chapter 11 it comes to the therefore in chapter 12 therefore in other words on the basis of all that has gone before that those who had it much harder than we are that lost their life that Abraham who had all these promises Isaac who had all these promises Jacob who had all these promises they never lived to see those promises fulfilled that's what the scripture says read it in You'll see in Hebrews chapter 11. I'm not making this up. Many died sawn asunder. I believe that was Isaiah. That's what tradition says. He's the one that was sawn into Isaiah. You see, we think God owes us something many times in the West. That's what all this wealth and health and go claim a miracle today. God. No, let me tell you, if you sign on with Jesus, you're signing on for death death of what you want in life death to who you are because he reigns as king he wants to dominate our lives this idea of using Jesus as a crutch that is something from the pit of hell Jesus is not a crutch he is God almighty and he wants to take over our lives because he's the only one that knows the way he is the way he's the only one that can take us to where we need to go and so when we come to chapter 12 God God says all of these didn't get everything that they wanted, but they were made right before God. They pleased God when they put their trust and faith in him. Why? Because the book of Hebrews, that same chapter, chapter 11, verse 6 says, it is impossible to please God without trusting him. And so all of these that were named and others unnamed that you can read about in chapter 11, they trusted God. So he says in chapter 12, the writer of Hebrews, therefore, you and I need to realize we're in a race and we need to lay aside anything that would hinder us. And then he goes on to say, if you don't lay it aside, God will help you to lay it aside by discipline. And he talks about how that every child of God is disciplined. You say, well, I don't have discipline in my life. Then you're not a child of God. That's exactly what the Bible says. You read down through chapter 12, and you'll see that he that is without discipline is illegitimate. The old King James word is bastard. That means you're an illegitimate child. God is not your father. Why? Because God disciplines his children, and every child needs discipline. You might not get the same discipline as your brother or sister, but you get discipline. And God knows exactly how to discipline us. Every child that you have, if you have more than one child, you know that many times they're as different as night and day. And you can't discipline them the same way. If you do, you won't get the same results. Why? Because every child has a certain response to a certain kind of discipline. Aren't you glad that God knows exactly our makeup and he disciplines us according to what works best? He knows how to get our attention. So we cannot compare our discipline to another because we have to trust the hand of a loving God. But when you come to chapter 12 and verse 12 of the book of Hebrews, remember we're talking about Esau now because I want to center in on helping you to understand the nature of Esau out of our chapter reading, chapter 27 for today, because this will do you good on down the road. Therefore, strengthen the hands. This is Hebrews 12, 12. Strengthen the hands which hang down and feeble knees. This is the idea of a man about to fall and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather heal. This is the idea of your bones quaking so much they actually dislocate and get out of joint. And that's how we feel sometimes under the discipline of God, when we're out of the will of God and he's trying to bring us back, we're miserable, we're dislocated, we're out of joint, we're ill, we're unkind, we are mad at everybody, we're the victims. I think you get the idea. Verse 14, so pursue peace. This is a command. Pursue peace with all people. You say, well, I don't need to get along as much as is within you. Live at peace with all men. And pursue holiness. You see, there is a conjunction and. Pursue peace with all people. You go back to the antecedent pursue, that's the command, holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, here's where Esau comes in. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, don't think this is saying that you're going to fall from the grace of God. It means don't fail to receive the grace of God. The grace of God is there when we need it. And if you and I don't receive it, then we are falling short of what God has given us. We're not grasping what God's given us. Lest anyone fall short, don't receive, take hold of the grace that is there and thereby miss it, miss the grace of God. In our lives, lest any root of bitterness, that's the word pichria, which is the word, it's the same concept for acid. Acid is that kind of substance that destroys the thing that contains it and holds it more than what is poured out on. That's what bitterness will do. It'll destroy your life. Lest any root of bitterness springing up in you cause trouble, cause agitation, cause harm, and by this many be defiled. The word is stained." You see, if you are holding on to resentment, anger, which leads to resentment, which leads to unforgiveness, which leads to bitterness, and that is in your life, if you don't get that out of your life, it is such a commodity that it will destroy your life and it will stain every person you touch. It will stain every relationship. It will destroy who you are because God did not equip us to live with bitterness, that's not how he made us. You have to let go. You have to move on. You have to let God take vengeance on people that you think need vengeance because you need to be careful about vengeance. You can't handle it. I can't handle it. And we're not smart enough. We're not wise enough. And what we pray on other people, many times will come upon us because we dig a pit and we fall into it. And he said, look at these lest, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Any Anytime you need grace, it's there. If you don't receive it, it's not God's fault. Lest any root of bitterness. Receive the grace of God, let go of bitterness. Let go because it's like a root. It'll take over your life. It's like a parasite. Lest there be any fornicator. Yes, any kind of wicked, evil person, profane person like Esau, look at this, like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. In other words, he despised it. He didn't want it anyway. He just wanted it because of what it would give. This is the way a lot of people are with Jesus. He's not precious to them. He may not be precious to you. I pray he is. If he's not precious to you, if he is not the most important person in your life, fall on your face and ask God to forgive you and ask him to make Jesus precious to you. Don't serve God for what he can do for you, for what you can get out of him. God is not some cosmic bellboy who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward when he wanted to inherit the blessings, oh, he wanted the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance. In other words, it's not that he sought it in the sense of true repentance. No, he just wanted to turn around because he was sorry now and regretted that his lack of repentance and his lack of hard heart had brought this on. So now he sought it, but it was not because he was truly sorrowful, but because he missed something. You see, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, God's discipline is there to keep us walking in the way. God's good to us by disciplining us. But if we will not receive that, we will not receive the grace. You see, anytime God disciplines his children, he gives them grace to change. But if we don't, we get bitter over the discipline and how God's dealing with us. David had to wrestle with that, but he confessed it to God and God cleansed his life. The word for us today is to look at Esau. And learn because God's grace is right available to us right now. Reach out and receive the grace of God. And if God's dealing with your life in any area of your life right now, say, Lord Jesus, Father in heaven, Spirit of God. Search me, know me, and remove anything wicked from my mind. Teach me, O God, to love you. Teach me to seek you, to seek holiness. And Lord, I pray that Jesus would become precious to me. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions.